Hello and welcome to Cruising for a Reviewsin, the podcast where I get a friend to watch a Tom Cruise movie they've never seen before and then review it with me. I'm your host, Cara Westworth, and this week I'm rejoined by Scott. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back for part two of The Firm. Yes, of course. We've got to find out how this bad boy ends. So if you've listened to, well, I recommend listening to part one if you haven't already. Um, otherwise, you won't know what's going on unless maybe you've seen the movie. I realized I was just going through the plot really, really like with a fine tooth comb before. And I'm going to try and stop doing that because a lot is yet to happen. And I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> I want people to go have some be a little bit night, of mystery dude. when they go when they go when they go see, go watch the movie if they haven't already. Okay, I'll do my best. Uh, where we left off was he got a lot of threats. Got told, you know, we know you cheated, and we've got photos to prove it. So you know, act right, otherwise we'll show your wife all these photos of you fucking a woman on the beach, getting sand in your junk. Get, oh yeah, like, yeah. It's when he says like stuff about like oral and everything. I'm like, oh. I don't, I don't, especially don't want Wilford Brimley saying that word, but <laughs> please. Cocoon, no. <laughs> Mitch and Tammy have rented an office space. They have a big photocopier and Tammy's job is every time Mitch drops off some files, she photocopies them and they return them back to the office. So the firm are none the wiser, but they have all this information that will help the FBI bring the firm down and hopefully not Mitch with them but Mitch is obviously very conflicted because this will ruin his career like he's just past the bar and he's potentially going to be disbarred because of blabbing all the secrets from the mob clients that they have which is pretty full-on but yeah yeah he's like I said before <laughs> rock and a hard place um like he knows he'll literally be murdered if he doesn't if he sticks with the, the firm or the FBI will chuck him in jail so that's that's the position right. he's in at one point, he goes to see a client who's been complaining about being overbilled all the time and points out that every time they overbill a client, they're basically committing a felony. And Mitch gets his idea in his head. He's like, oh, they're committing other crimes, which if I blab about them, I'm actually not going to be breaking as many laws and I won't get disbarred. So Mitch changes tack and is like, no, 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 we're not going to out them for money Boat laundering. Explosions. And- yeah, but- <laughs> 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 and all the money laundering and whatnot. With the, for the mob, we're just going to get them for like the super cool, sexy charges of overcharging clients and mail fraud and other fun, weird things that he kind of figures out the, the laws that they've been breaking. The least sexy <laughs> fucking version of a it, it works. Like it's it's sort of exciting to watch, but it it like it is inherently boring. It's a testament to the direction, the performances, the writing, everything mm. else going on here that you're not like just bored stupid while watching this. It, it is pretty cool. Interestingly, the book apparently that they don't go. This is where the movie deviates. Mm-hmm. So I believe in the book he just continues on with the with the mobster stuff that would get him disbarred. But in this, they're like, "Oh, that sucks. We want to kind of make Mitch be the good guy." Which I will point out, considering it's one of those roles, you know, earlier like early nineties, Tom Cruise usually plays like a, a guy who's like not super likable. Like he's a bit of an arrogant jerk. But I think Mitch is very likable in this movie. Yeah. Like he's he comes off very earnest and like he absolutely loves his wife and you know, he very quickly when he realizes that they've got this 
stuff to blackmail him with, he just comes clean and tells his wife, which in the book he didn't. He just kept that secret the whole way through. So, yeah, I think he plays a really nice guy considering he's playing a 90s lawyer in this movie. He's nice. <laughs> yes. Because, <laughs> like, in A Few Good Men, he's a jerk that kind of figures out how to be a good lawyer. But, yeah, in this one he's a pretty nice guy. He goes to – he hasn't. He doesn't tell the, the FBI – what he's doing yet, but he secures himself a really nice little deal. Um, they go to a dog track and he actually gets Tammy to help him record the conversation because he actually goads Ed Harris' character, Wayne, into threatening him and stuff. So he asks for a million dollars into a Swiss bank account to get Ray released. And when he starts getting threatened by Wayne, um, he's like, I'm sorry, your name is this, this and this from the FBI. And he's like, oh no, I've been done. And yeah, Tammy calls him and plays back. And yeah, he's like, okay, you, you got to do this now because just threatened me and basically said the FBI can do what they want to me. Right. Which I'm sure the FBI could probably just like cover up somehow. But anyway, I don't know if a little tape recording would actually undo it all that much. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe I misunderstand the dead. FBI. Maybe I'm thinking of the CIA. Yeah, yeah probably the CIA more likely to just yeah. disappear, Mitch. Arrange for another boat explosion. <laughs> Just a legal boat explosion. Yes. Mitch tries to tell Abby the plan. She, you know, obviously distraught about being told that he has had an affair on top of your life's over because I decided to take this fucking job in Memphis with this pack of dickhead murderous fucking lawyers <laughs> so she's like nah I'm out he's like I'm leaving tomorrow to go stay with my parents I don't want to be involved in this and he's like yeah fair enough yeah cool they have to fake the split though because they know that the firm is listening so you know if she just left with no didn't hear anything that would be very sus on that so she's about to leave and just by chance Avery comes by her school where she teaches to say goodbye and let slip about something which affects their plan. So basically, as far as she knows what their plan is, is that when Avery is back at the Cayman Islands, Tammy's going to be there when he's having a, his dive that he likes to do every time. She's going to sneak in, take all the files, copy them, and or I think she's going to take all the files and, you know, they'll have all the evidence they need. But Avery's kind of like, oh, you've broken up with Mitch. Maybe you should come to the Cayman Islands with me. And she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, oh, I'm not going to be dying. <laughs> Anyway, he reveals it all. And so Abby's in this really fucking wild position where she's like, mm, I still love my husband, even though he cheated on me. And this plan won't happen unless. And so anyway, she gets herself involved without telling him and her and Tammy start coming up with a new plan instead. So the new plan, Avery's not going to go for a dive because he doesn't have 24 hours in which to settle the air bubbles in his blood, I guess. He, <laughs> Abby's like, okay, he fancies me. I'm going to take him up on his offer, meet him at the Cayman Islands, seduce him drug him and then we can steal the files easy peasy i love my husband but i don't know if i would do that for him that's terrifying especially after he just got busted fucking on the beach but busted fucking on the beach and also this these guys will explode you if you cross them so like that's, <laughs> right. a, that's a huge position like a crazy position to put yourself into but she does it because she loves him the plan kind of goes pretty well she goes to the Cayman Islands they talk and we basically find out that Avery who is a very like you know, charismatic is the right word but he's you know very confident man mm -hmm. he's actually like absolutely been broken by working for this firm and you know has in a loveless relationship just likes playing around because he's just a broken man and she feels quite bad for him but still drugs him and they steal the files oh yeah so at one point Tammy rings him and his, Mitch is like actually that little bit of information you need isn't here but there's a password maybe you can use that so he uses that to hack into Avery's computer and that's how Mitch happens to be at the office when everyone kind of twigs to what's going on oh yeah and when all this is happening what's his face Ray the brother is um being released but the FBI uh 
releasing him on the condition that once they receive the files, they're going to snatch him back and put him back in prison. I don't know why they can't just release him when he was coming up for parole anyway, but right. I don't know how the justice system works in America or anywhere, really. So probably just don't want to release him because they're jerks. I, I don't think they want any victories on the side of the McDeer family. Yeah, and like and Mitch actually says at one point, he's like, I haven't done anything wrong. And that's when Wayne like really goes off at him. It's like, I don't give a fuck. I can do what I want to you. Like, you're nothing to me. But like, yeah, Mitch has done nothing wrong. Like, <laughs> Mitch found out they were committing crimes and is trying to help and he's still going to get <laughs> right. absolutely fucked every step of the way. Totally. <laughs> it sucks. So yeah, and Ray's, Ray gets released. So they, I think they must be aware that that's going to happen. So they have staged this plan. So at one point, Tammy mentions her ex-husband, whose name is Elvis, who is like an Elvis lookalike. And he, but he, <laughs> even though they've split up, he... He loves, like, he would do anything for Tammy. So they set it up so Ray stops at a truck stop and the FBI agents who are following him lose sight of him for a minute and he escapes by changing outfits and sneaking a lift with Elvis, the truck driver. Yeah, that whole that whole reveal where the camera is, like, on the back of the guy and then he turns and he's wearing the Elvis glasses and he's got the hair and you're like, oh, shit, that's the guy. <laughs> that's it's the such guy a, Tammy It's said. such a great reveal, yeah. Yeah, it was so good. So um, I may have missed the part where... Mitch figured out that that was going to be part of the thing. They he didn't trust the FBI to actually release to release Ray properly. When it, Ray is released, a piece of shit security guard is like, "I don't like the look of this," and sends a fax. Oh my god, remember those? Um, from yes. the prison to the firm. But luckily, it's basically saying Ray McDear has been released from prison and no handcuffs or anything. Bit sus. And luckily, it falls under the copier, so old mate security doesn't get to see it so far. So Ray actually does get to escape. Plans going ahead. Abby. Pretend getting ready to have sex with Avery, uh, which he sort of pours his heart his heart out to her about how shit his life is, and you know he's a big miserable sack of shit, and she deserves better. Blah blah blah. And like she admits that she's there to get revenge on Mitch, and he's like, I guess that's better than wanting to be with me, and then passes out immediately. Just <laughs> <laughs> pretty fucking sad. The plan nearly comes undone. So the security guard figures out. So they hear a phone call between Tammy and another woman. They don't realize it's Abby. And they're like, oh no, there's something something going on. We need to ring Avery and, you know, get him to stop whoever this woman is. But because he's passed out, he doesn't answer the phone. But the one of the far, last times they call... He actually wakes up and sort of catches her. But when he realizes what's up and that they're sending the hitmen out to get her, he's just like, I'm done. Like, I understand. Like, you do this for Mitch. Um, fair enough. Like, go. And they're like, what's going to happen to you? And he's like, I don't give a fuck. So, <laughs> yeah, that was, that's the end of Avery. He's just like, I'm fucking sick of this. This sucks. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Like he yeah, taps out completely. Another aspect of the plan that Abby wasn't aware of and Mitch apparently kept from her because she'd be, you know, shit scared if she heard about it was he also has to talk to the mob. So the mob bosses are going to Memphis to, I don't know, deal with this thing. So everyone's aware of what's going on. Mitch has talked to the FBI. The mob are appalled and think it's going to be about them. And so when they go there, so Mitch actually has to go talk to the mob and explain to them that no, he's not dobbing them in, you know, regardless of what they've heard he's actually doing this overbilling thing and that all he needs from them is to say yeah we don't mind if you show some of our bills because it's it's so, it's so complicated I don't, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he managed to do that the mob bosses are kind of like the fuck yeah okay i guess like they're ready to kill him but then by the end they're like yeah okay that's fun but the best bit of this movie in my opinion is 
yeah, the last like, I don't know, 20, 20 or so minutes of it where it's just Mitch fucking belting through Memphis trying to get away mm-hmm. from everyone. So like he escapes when he's confronted at the office after getting that stuff off Avery's computer, he is confronted and he literally does a, oh yeah, see ya and just runs and like smashes a chair right. through a window and conveniently a, a truck full of bales of cotton is out the window <laughs> yeah. and he, he gets to yeah. like throw himself into and he just runs and he has to, and, like, it's kind of iconic how he's like running with a briefcase the entire time, but he kind of has to because that's all the files that he needs. So right. it's like this sweaty, stressed man just sprinting around Memphis in a trench coat and holding a briefcase full of secrets. A lot of trench coats in this movie, by the way. Yeah. Also, Mitch could have taken that coat off at any point. Like it would have made right. running so much easier if he just took off the giant woolen coat that he was wearing. <laughs> like I know Memphis gets cold, but like, come on, you're pretty hot and sweaty right. by the end of that. Just for aerodynamics sake. Yeah, and then when he's like sees them after this running, he sees the mob bosses. He's like still wearing it. I'm like, I'm sure the mob bosses wouldn't begrudge you for not wearing a fucking trench coat when you go see yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> His big running escape thing, you know, he finds out that he accidentally let slip that Abby was there on the island that he, you know, wasn't meant to know about. Tammy was trying to keep it secret from him, but he also has to wait a few hours before he can go see the mob bosses. So he goes to this mud island and hides out there for a couple of hours. He gets sighted there by you know one of the wives so the hitmen and the hitmen go from Cayman Islands to kill Avery and then they come back and then go to the Mud Island like I don't know how long it takes maybe it's a Concorde jet that they're flying on I don't know but I was like (laughs) don't ask too many questions just look you know just go you just got to go with it. Yeah, I guess so. Like I was like, wow, that's a... I mean, is the Cayman Islands far away? I don't know. So they ca- they end up catching up with him, like kind of cross paths with him as he's getting off this ferry from the island. And, you know, he smashes old mate Hank Schrader in the in the knee because he was shot there by Gary Busey's character earlier and just fucking bolts. And yeah, he's running around. It ends up in a basement of a building and it is William the security guard and creepy blonde man who's chasing him and yeah it's the gymnastics stuff that Mitch does here I know they kind of they do set it up by having him do some flips earlier but it was pretty intense I think it would have been better suited if instead of at the start when they showed him playing basketball they showed him doing gymnastics because he does or um, at least escaping through windows jumping onto bales of cotton you know (laughs) something a little more specific heaves himself up on this bar and like starts swinging his body to try and kick through a glass window like like in fucking Mission impossible four when he's trying to get the super tall building he's breaking into like it's that sort of stuff and i'm like this guy's just a lawyer what the fuck right and the way he avoids detection is he's like holding himself up in the ceiling in this really stressful athletic way that i don't think anyone but a gymnast could hold for more than a minute but he gets away he manages to kill hitman gets killed by william and he just bashes the shit out of william and runs away which (laughs) (laughs) just this poor old man just getting beaten up by this young athletic man yeah so he manages to get away Uh, that's when he goes to see the mob bosses and do that last little part of the of the plan that um all comes together quite nicely he then meets with wayne like he gives wayne some files and he's like what the fuck is this so he wayne goes and confronts him at his home which at some point had been ransacked by the firm and it's like this is this is bullshit like overcharging this is what we're gonna do and that's when Mitch says like I know it's not sexy but it carries lots of lots of jail sentences if you prosecute 
properly and I get to not fucking lose my entire life for you guys. Abby comes home from you know her adventures over in the Cayman Islands and they make up because you know Avery actually admits to her that we we set up the whole woman on the beach thing so we have the affair so we had leverage against him so she is able to forgive him. I think one of my favorite things about this movie is the it ends with Ray, his brother, and Tammy on the boat together with all the files happily ever after. And then Mitch made sure all the money got wired to him and because technically he escaped prison, I guess. But yeah, Ray and Tammy have like this amazing, (laughs) amazing chemistry and get to be together. And yeah, it's a really nice little ending, I thought. Poor Elvis, though. Well, no, apparently, because she said earlier, he was like, how does Elvis feel about all this? And she's like, oh, he like... Our marriage only lasted two years because one day over breakfast he decided I was too old for him. So, and then she's like, but he'll do anything for me. So, yeah, they'd already split up. Elvis probably has... Oh, I, th- I thought they just meant they were still together, but uh, they had both mutually agreed to uh, uh, to an open relationship, Oh, basically. maybe. Maybe that's what it was. I'm sure Elvis is either way, Either way, if like Elvis is into, it would do anything for her, then yeah. I feel like he's probably a little bummed out that she just disappeared one day. So, oh, okay, I guess. Let's not worry about Elvis right now. <laughs> no, that's a, all I care about is Tammy is, is happy and her and Tammy right. seem like a wonderful <laughs> couple and I'm very, very happy for them. Yes. Like a, a little bit where Ray's just like makes a comment where she's telling him the plan and he's like, I really love your cro- crooked mouth. And she's like, oh, that's not the best thing about me. And there was like sexual chemistry yeah. and it was like, oh, yeah, so cute. I love it. Because that's my, not my best feature. You're like, God damn. <laughs> It's clearly her nails, uh, as I've said before. <laughs> yes. I probably rushed through that last bit uh, a bit too fast. Um, go watch the movie if you haven't already. Uh, a lot happens, and it is actually really entertaining, um, considering it's yeah political intrigue and law stuff. Like I said, it's very a lot more running than you'd ever imagine in a movie about called the firm about a law firm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a very entertaining movie. And um, it is not the most exciting movie to hear a plot synopsis of, no. granted. But Pollock's directing here is is really on fire. In between the cast, which is just awesome, and that score, which is incredible. It's basically just a guy on a piano the entire time. And what what Pollock does with the material, uh, I think he did. I think he did a really sh- solid job of you know compressing this novel into a thing that it's a little overwhelming in the back half, especially. There's mm. so 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 much shit going on that it's easy to lose track of it. Even if you don't particularly understand what's going on moment to moment, the momentum of it carries you through. Yeah, and you you get the gist of it. So yeah, the first couple of times I watched it, I was just like, wow, that was a a fun thing I don't quite know what happened and then sitting down writing proper notes and concentrating on it I was like oh it all makes perfect sense when you actually like really watch it properly which I don't apparently I don't do when I watch (laughs) movies I guess but yeah just to watch it just for like fun is um it's fine and so it's pretty enjoyable. I only thing I would say is it probably could have been cut down a little bit. It's like it's two and a half hours long, which it's got a lot of plot. It does have know. a lot of plot. I heard someone else talk about it once where they said Sydney Pollack likes to kind of have quite a few lingering shots on certain things like actors. And at one point they like linger on a chair swing for a minute and probably could have cut some of that out and maybe cut 15 minutes of the movie out. <laughs> Might have been like a little bit tighter, but apart from that, it's there. You it's there for atmosphere though. You, it is. Yeah. If it were, if it were any more breathless 
it would be I would probably difficult faint. to watch, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely see why they've done it the way they have. But, yeah, if two and a half hours. I'm at that point where unless I'm watching, like, Lord of the Rings, like, anything that's over, like, in two hours, I'm like, oh, jeez. I'm kind of like that, too. But also, it's so fucking hypocritical to feel this way. Oh, because... I watched a thousand TV shows in a row. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You'll be like, someone will recommend a TV show and then be like, you know, well, it takes eight episodes to get going. And then, you know, the back 14 episodes are great. Yeah, it's the like, first all right, two, sign me up. <laughs> the first two seasons are a bit shit, but, you know, it really picks it up in the third yeah. season. You're like, yeah, no worries. That sounds great. Once you're about 40 hours into this thing, <laughs> it's really going to kick into high gear. Yeah, it's it's weird, especially because I watch so many movies and I never notice the time unless it's a bad movie. But when, I, yeah, when I'm scrolling through, like, a streaming service and it's, like, two hours, 15 minutes, I'm like, holy shit, what do you want from me? But totally. I can watch I can, The Witcher in one day, so... Yeah, go figure. How do you feel about Cruz's performance in this movie? I really like it. Uh, as I was saying before, that kind of arrogance Tom Cruise brings to a lot of his characters, like I'm thinking like Top Gun and Rain Man and uh, like a lot of his movies, especially in the 80s and 90s, he doesn't have that as much in this. He's a much more, like he's playing like a poor guy who's done a tough slog and put himself through law school. But yeah, he doesn't have any the arrogance that you would kind of expect from Tom Cruise mm-hmm. in these sort of roles normally. So I think, yeah, he was like kind of a really earnest, good character. And I think, yeah, Tom Cruise did a really good job. I actually bought it more than I thought I would. Yeah, I think it's um, it's not it's not a very showy performance, you know, even with all the running and what have you, because he's sort of, you know, he is like an idealistic sort of character. There's not a lot of there's not too many flaws to him that complicate the character and make him really interesting. But mm. it, it's one of his more everyman roles, I think. Yeah. I don't think most dudes could pull off some of the, you know, clinging to the ceiling action that he does <laughs> in this movie. But it does feel like, you know, less super heroic than some of the other things that he does. And I, I think he's I think he's great in it. It's hard to imagine anyone else in the role. Oh, definitely. And like based on what I've read about the differences between the book and the movie, the way that Mitch is in the book is a bit more like the a arro- little bit more. I don't know if arrogance is the right word, but, you know, like that typical Tom Cruise kind of smartest guy in the room thing that he has was more like the book character, but they actually stripped some of that away and made him a bit of a more of a likable character in the movie, which mm. they didn't have to do, but they did, and it worked really well. I'm curious if him working with Pollock on this had any hand in Pollock later getting cast in Eyes Wide Shut once Harvey Keitel dropped out. You know, Har- Harvey Keitel had that role in Eyes Wide Shut famously uh. until I think it was a scheduling thing or something. Kubrick just shot for like over a year or something on that movie. I like, didn't realize it was crazy. that long. Oh, yeah, it's one of the longest film shoots ever. Or maybe there was a disagreement. I forget the particulars. It's been a it's been a while since I you know read up on that. But he dropped out and they just had to reshoot all of his scenes with Sidney Pollock. I wonder if Cruz recommended him to Kubrick. Hey, I'd Probably. Work with this guy. I, I feel like Tom Cruise does that. Like he's like, oh, someone dropped out. Well, I've worked with this other guy and Yeah. And it's not like Sidney Pollock is a complete unknown. Mm. You know, surely Kubrick was familiar with his work and what have you. Yeah, he uh he he did a great job directing this one, I think. Mm. Um I realized when I was looking up Sidney Pollock, I actually don't think I've seen any other movies that he's directed. Well, there there's some good ones, but also not a lot of flashy titles, I don't think. Oh, no, I've seen Tootsie. Oh, um, right, Tootsie. Fuck me. I never would have remembered that. So I can't really say, like, oh, this is a great Sidney Pollock movie because I actually don't know. Like, maybe 
now I've seen this, maybe I should go watch some of his movies and see if I his like reputation. I mean, he's got a good reputation as far as being an actor and a director. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure they're all great. I haven't explored much of Pollock's filmography either. They don't seem to have Tootsie, a lot of explosions. Tootsie might be the only other one I've seen. Yeah, I think it's the only one I've seen. Yeah, um, I don't think his movies have a lot of explosions, which is usually what I go for. So, <laughs> well, like, I don't know, grisly deaths or something. So, sure. Okay, let's talk about Tom Cruise-isms. Probably more than you'd think about a mo- in a movie that is about being a lawyer. As per usual, I don't write down what Tom Cruise-isms are. I just try and remember them later as I go along, um, which is a wonderful way to do podcasts. So the main <laughs> one is obviously uh, things like stunts and running. So obviously way more running than you would have expected in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he does the proper really good Tom Cruise run, especially that one when he's chasing Abby outside the house, like the straight arm, straight Straight back sprint yes. kind of thing. The Terminator uh, run. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, so he runs through a lot of this, like the second half of this movie is just mostly him running for his life. Stunts wise, you wouldn't think it's lots of stunts in this movie, but there are more than you would think, especially in the second half of the movie when he jumps out of a three-story window into a, a truck and mm-hmm. then does all these weird gymnast things. I think it seems like he did them all. I didn't actually look into it. Yeah, I kind of wish that he had have done the flips at the start of the movie because that would have been cool. Just seeing yeah. Tom Cruise do some fucking flips. Uh, other Tom Cruiseisms, I guess, are like the yeah, the, the whole smartest man in the room thing. He does, but not like as much as he would in other movies around the same time. Like that really smarmy Tom Cruise character that he kind of has. Right, right. But he still has that still, I don't know, that effervescent Tom Cruise thing going on that we all love about him, right? Yeah, he's, uh, it's Tom Cruise. Tom yeah. Cruise is always going to be Tom Cruise. Like, you know, that's part and parcel of that whole star power thing that we were talking about earlier. Whenever I whenever I see Tom Cruise in a movie, I'm aware that I am watching Tom Cruise. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, even when he really disappears into a character, it's still Tom Cruise to me. Yeah. And most actors, that would really annoy me. But I don't I don't get that with Cruise. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, I... I'll just say I feel the same way, but like you just, yeah, you're like, this is so Tom Cruisey, but you're like, hell yeah, this rules. I guess because he picks the right roles. As and he well. works with really strong directors. Mm. You know, there's, you know, he's made some bad movies just like everyone else, but I think given the run that he's had, no pun intended, the, <laughs> the, the number of hits to misses is probably higher than normal. And he's just, he's a guy you want to see on screen, I think. Mm. And, and people have Tom Cruise because have a problem with Cruise because of the Scientology thing or, you know, because he's a little bit of a weirdo sometimes and, and what have you. But I don't know. I don't really I, I don't watch movies that way where I'm more concerned about what this person might have going on in their personal life versus what they're bringing to a, a film that I'm watching. Mm. You know, that's that's sort of like an ongoing problem right now where every movie is being held up to a purity test or, yeah. you know, sort of. Of, you know, you mention a movie on Twitter and someone will pop up to tell you why it's problematic. I mean, that's that's sort of where we're at right now. Yes, which, uh, and it yeah, absolutely does my head in. Um, my only right. exception to that rule is anything to do with the Harry Potter world. I used to be a huge Harry Potter fan, but now it can all go get fucked because I have absolutely no time for J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling, like she's she's ruined it for me, which is devastating. Like, I mean, how fucking how easy would it be to just log off? Just you know what I'm saying? Up. Yeah. 
just take your money, live in what I, what I'm assuming is some sort of whimsical castle or whatever the fuck. She lives and... in a castle in Scotland, so yeah. Does she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I fucking knew it. So, like, just, you know, shut the fuck up. You, you're free to think whatever backwards-ass things you want to think, but continually stepping on your own dick by, like, firing off is really terrible and non-inclusionary takes on Twitter. It hasn't done her any any favor. I was reading, yes, there's a new Harry Potter special or something on HBO Max. I saw people, I I don't, you know, I'm not a Potter guy. I was at the age where the books would have been too young for me and I didn't really, I saw the movies, Mm. you know, I'll I'll see just about every movie, but it's like I watched them once and was like, all right, I get it. But the the special I was seeing people responding to saying that they had footage of her in there talking, but it always had a little little note in the corner saying like filmed in 2019, (laughs) like just (laughs) Like making extra sure you knew, like this is before we knew about all this other shit. So, which if in, in the special reunion special about the thing that you made, you're not even invited to come to, like, and that's still not enough to make you <laughs> shut the fuck up. Is... I can't believe they're still making those Fantastic Beast movies. Oh, you know? did you see the second one? No, I didn't oh, see the, any of well, those. The first one was fun and fine, and I was still really into Harry Potter when that came out. The second one, I was off it, and I was also furious that. So in the first one, the villain is Colin Farrell. But mm-hmm. it's basically Johnny Depp has shapeshifted to look like Colin Farrell. So when he's it's revealed, he just play Johnny Depp just plays him in the second movie. And Colin Farrell was wonderful in the first one. Johnny Depp, he's another one that I've kind of, I've gotten over and don't want much to do with. Right. Basically, he doesn't put any fucking effort in whatsoever, let alone everything else. <laughs> he acted terribly. He looked fucked. He was awful, and that, and that movie sucked ass. And they're making a third one. And luckily, they've recast Johnny Depp's character to be um, Mads Mikkelsen. That's it, yeah, which is a phenomenal change. Like, I want to go watch it now because I'm like, I love Mads Mikkelsen's. Oh, yeah, they just... I just got to... With the Potter movies, I had the same sort of reaction I did with Marvel, which I wasn't expecting. Like, I've I've seen all the Marvel movies, right? I've seen some of them, you know, a bunch of times that I I really like. Not all of them, but a few key ones. But after Endgame happened, I kind of felt it was this natural conclusion. Oh, yeah. And it, it it was sort of like, I know no one else wanted this. But personally, I was like, I would like a five-year break before we start up another cycle of these things. Absolutely. I feel like everyone except like the hardcore Marvel fans feel that same way too. And yet they keep going. (laughs) Yeah, they're making a shitload of money. You know, there's no, there's no denying the box office take, you know, so. And then um, they do absolute bangers like the new Spider-Man and you're like, okay, fine. Oh, I love that. That's the only one I've seen since Endgame, I think. Uh, Like Black Widow. Black Widow, I was sort of like. I, you I'm like, I'm so sick of them, but I keep going every time. Well, I, it would have been different, I think, without COVID. You oh, know, yeah. if if we were living in a time where everything was as it was, I almost certainly would have gone to see Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals in a theater mm. just to do it. But now with that, ex- it was just one extra hurdle. It's like, nope, it's fine. I can wait. But the 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 response to Spider-Man was so overwhelming that, yeah, I, I, my wife and I went and checked it out on Christmas and it's it's a fun blast i mean oh that was so good impossible not to enjoy that movie almost we have the opposite thing so like i said earlier we weren't affected by covid as badly in the most of 2020 and so we could go see movies like uh, yeah there actually weren't that many movies to go see because they were 
putting everything off, like fucking Top Gun 2. So we were still able to go see movies, but as soon as Spider-Man 2 came out, that's when a lot of our, that's when all the borders started reopening and our COVID cases started spiking. So now we're too scared to go to the movies, like two years later, like, oh shit, we've gone the absolute opposite way to the US. Yeah. So we're like, oh shit, now we can't go see movies. It sucks. And all the movies are starting to come out. It sucks. I mean, what else can you say? Yeah. <laughs> it just fucking sucks all over. But that is, I, I had that same thing with the Harry Potter thing was my original point. Like, yeah. I went and saw all the movies as they came out, just kind of following along the, the, the soap opera aspect of it all. But once they ended, I was like, all right, that's the natural conclusion. And then they announced they were doing five movies based on this one book. And I was like, get the fuck out of here, And it's here, not even dude. a book. It's like a, you wouldn't even call it a, a short story. Like, it's like a little tiny, thin, <laughs> right. little, it's not even a book. It's like, <laughs> it's it's a te- technically, it's a textbook that the kids use in at Hogwarts. And yes, I mean, they're going to, Warner Brothers are going to do what they can to make money, I guess. And of course. Of course. It's a business at the end of the day, but I just didn't give a shit. And also, frankly, I'm not a, a big Eddie Redmayne fan. No, he, um, either am I. That's a, he drives that me a, nuts. That was a big um, stumbling block for me, too. I'm like, I don't want to watch this guy. He's got a he's got a weird face, that he Eddie does. Redmayne. You he know, does. got a little fish mouth. <laughs> he does well, what will, how do we get to that? Oh, we're talking about um, yeah, <laughs> movies that we don't see because of actors, but Tom Cruise is always the exception. Yes, I agree that like I would never not go see a movie. Like Before I became obsessed with Tom Cruise, I hated Tom Cruise. Well, I thought I hated Tom Cruise. Um, Why did you I just, hate Tom Cruise? I was just like, he's weird and he's a Scientologist, but he's a fun, like I like, I like a lot of his movies. So I'd go see his movies, but I think I was just being like everyone else, being like, Tom Cruise is weird. Remember when he jumped on the couch? Yeah, as soon as I, I realized. I still don't think that was like a big deal. No, when you, you know? rewatch it, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> no, he was fucking excited. The guy's in love, you know, he's, and you also, know, he's having fun with it. He was razzed up by the audience and by Oprah who were like egging him on. And, yeah. you know, he's an excitable man. So it was, it was he silly. Is, I mean, to be fair, I do think he is a bit of a weirdo. But yeah. like... How could you not be a weirdo with that level of success and just the ability to essentially do whatever you want at any given time? I think that if Scientology, which has plenty of its own fucking problems, you know, mm. everyone knows. But if believing in that stuff and participating, it is the weirdest thing about you. You doing OK? I mean, yeah, th- that's a lot better than, you know, a lot of other actors who have been who have turned out to be involved in a lot more. Well, that's the one thing I, I always point know. out to people. They're like, oh, he gets. I'm like, Tom Cruise always presents himself to be a friendly, enthusiastic person. And like anyone he works with on set or whatever, he remembers their names. He remembers details about them. Like he's very good at all that, which maybe he learned all that from his, you know, seminars to do with Scientology. But Mm -hmm. he's really good at that. And like, if that's the persona he's putting on for us all, and that's all we see, like, I guess we just have to go off that maybe he is a nice guy, maybe a little bit weird, but like, unless he's like going home and like, I don't know, punching puppies in the face. Like, I don't see what else he can do to be like he's nothing's ever come out about him being like horrible to any of his spouses or anything like that. So, I mean, the most the most insidious thing that we can say about him is that he's involved with Scientology and a personal friend of David Miscavige, whose wife has been missing for many years. 
Probably and, dead, yeah. <laughs> or locked in a fucking basement somewhere. You know, I mean, it's it's very bad. It is. And there's not really any excusing it. Um no. I think that I think that if that particular mystery ever gets resolved, or say the United States takes away Scientology's tax exemption status, you know, if a number of different things happen, I think Cruz might leave the religion or at least be put in a position where he has to answer for some things. Yeah. And and, you know, when when that day comes, you know, I'll be happy to to see how it plays out. But in the meantime, this is just one of those things where you have to you have to find your own personal line and say, like, well, how upset am I about this? I don't know. It's it's hard to talk about without sounding really heartless. But, yeah, um, no, it's I feel the exact same. And like when you think about all the famous people out there who are extremely religious, but, you know, Christians, like do we hold them to the same sort of like standard as we do Tom Cruise for Scientology? Like all of mm-hmm. the atrocities that the Christian church have perpetrated over the years? Like The like, lesson here is that organized religion is bad. It's um, bad. And it is fun to tease Scientology because it is wild. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah it's not going to make me stop liking Tom Tom Cruise, like, it did for a little while, but now I'm like, I've gotten past that. There are other actors who I avoid watching their things because I don't like them, but that's because I just don't like them. Like, it's never, like, I I refuse, I couldn't watch the Hawkeye TV series because... Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. I fucking hate that guy so much. And his Mm -hmm. stupid fucking app and everything else that came out. I'm like, (laughs) I cannot. I just want to punch him right in the face every time he's on my screen. And and like, I only like him in Mission Impossible because they tease him the whole time in the two Mission Impossible movies he's in. So anyway, we've we've gotten way off track uh, talking about why we're okay watching Tom Cruise in movies, even though we can never not see Tom Cruise. All right. So as far as reviewing this movie goes, it's long. I actually found the music a little bit jarring but not it didn't, no, it didn't ruin the movie for me or anything that's probably my only main criticisms of the movie I just actually really enjoy that's it that's interesting that's interesting yeah. it's yeah that's because it was so unique and I've never heard music like that before in a movie or since it's very interesting but it was pretty it kept reminding me of the bit. score to uh the Thomas Crown Affair the one with Pierce Brosnan. Oh, I have not seen that probably since it came out. Oh, it's so fucking good, dude. Oh, is it's it? so good. Yeah, in fact, <clears throat> Thomas Crown Affair feels a lot like a cruise movie. Um, oh. You can easily imagine him in that role. Well, and- that's funny that you say that because I'm going to, when I finish all the Tom Cruise movies, I'm going to review movies that I think Tom Cruise would be good in. So that's a good one to know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely check that one out, out again. But the the score to both are vaguely similar. I bet if I heard them back to back, I would change my mind. But in my mind, there's so much so much of Thomas Crown's score is piano heavy. And so is the firms that there's a natural similarity there that I, I, I think my brain is drawing a connection to. Yeah, I, I, I like the score. I didn't have a problem with it. And it felt like classy in a way that that felt in keeping with both Pollock's direction and, you know, the story being told. It seemed appropriate to me. It also, I kind of thought about like this movie set in Memphis and yet that's the least Memphis sounding music I can think of. To yeah, they use. throw some songs in there. There's some needle drops from time to time. Yeah. Like, but it's all like uh, diegetic stuff where, you know, a band is playing in the background mm. or it's playing, you know, in a diner 
or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I I really like this movie. I I can't criticize. I it almost makes me want to read the book. I'm probably not going to because I I'm reading a lot of fantasy obnoxious fantasy books at the moment. And I don't have time to try and mm-hmm. read a cram a Grisham novel in there at the moment. But right. um. Yeah. It almost makes me want to watch. Sorry to read the the book i really like this movie so i'm going to rate this four out of five random boat explosions <laughs> uh i'm with you on this i think i think i'll go a little higher and go 4.5 oh purely because i i don't i don't really have any complaints about it other than the fact that it gets very convoluted and almost overwhelming in the machinations that it's going through you know mm. in the back half but on the other hand there's a streamlining of of text going on there in the adaptation process that I think is is pretty interesting. And the fact that they made it all work in one movie is to be commended. Oh, absolutely. And it's just a, a, a very good example of a classy, I keep using that word, movie for adults in the early 90s. A decade that was not marked by its restraint, mm. you know? I think that it's of the Grisham movies that I've seen, and I, I've seen probably more than I haven't. Uh, I think it's one of the better ones. Probably about on par with the Rainmaker. I really like that one. But yeah, I don't. I don't really have my. Yeah, my only real quibbles here are that it's almost too breathless for its own good, and uh, therefore I will go four point five out nice. of five boat explosions. Now they've made it. Have they made a TV show out of this? I think they did, but yeah. um, I don't. I don't know anything about I it. I don't know a single thing. I. Vaguely remember seeing that, which I think it could also work as a TV show. I just, without Tom Cruise in it, don't think I'm going to worry about it too much. Yeah, it does have the, there's enough plot there for a limited series. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Yeah. Go see the movie if you haven't already. I don't let the idea of it being like an adult movie from the 90s put you off because that's probably why I never saw it growing up because I'm like, ah, boring movies that adults like, like my parents will watch. I don't want to watch that. But it's actually. It's a really good version of that, though. Yeah. You know, when when people decry the lack of those kind of movies anymore, that it's all superheroes or horror genre shit and, you know, that we've sort of regressed and gone further away from making those kind of movies. Um, I think there's an element of truth to that. But also, if if you're in the mood for like, you know, a mature pot boiler, this is this will definitely get the job done. Heck yeah. Well, thanks again, Scott, for joining me. Can you remind us where we can find you around on the Internet? Yes, uh, I can be found on Twitter at at Scott Wampler BMD, or you can find the show I host, the KingCast at at KingCast19 on twitter.com and there'll be all all the links you need there i just want to say that i listened to your episode where you interviewed jamie lee curtis and yeah that's so fucking cool. she <laughs> was she was fucking intimidating to talk to i'll tell you what dude. she came off as being like you know considering how famous she is and like true lies is probably my second favorite movie of all times like i'm obsessed with that movie like she seemed come off came off more laid back than you'd expect i think in that interview you did with her well we have a man i mean the show itself is very common conversational and my co-host Eric Vespi is sort of the brains of the operation whereas I am there to introduce a chaotic element to the show <laughs> yep and with Jamie Lee I felt like it was clear to me from the moment we got on the line with her that if I said something stupid or asked her a, a, a silly question, she would absolutely let me know that it was a stupid question. <laughs> you know, like she is no nonsense, you know, up to a point. I mean, she's very charming and very personable, mm. but also like I, I just knew instinctually I got to watch my step here, which is not usually the case on the show. The dynamic is usually that I'll I'll say anything. That was a really interesting one. 
I guess also she's not like the same as a lot of your guests where she isn't a filmmaker or a giant fucking nerd about movies yeah, so much well, and isn't super into Stephen King or horror. So, yeah, that changed the <laughs> dynamic a fair bit. It did. That she was not into horror was a stumbling block with getting her on the show. But luckily, it turns out she's like best friends with Rob Reiner. She knew Stand By Me very well. We hadn't done that title in a while. So it was like, oh, this is perfect. So it did work out. But had it not been for that connection, we probably would have been blown out of the water. Well, it sounded it sounded great from me listening at home. Oh, well, being a very you. big fan of her. And yeah, True Lies, one of the best movies I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so as for me on the internet you can find me on Instagram uh, Tom Cruise Reviews on Twitter Tom Cruise Review no S in the end or just TomCruiseReviews.com thank you so much for listening and again thanks for joining me Scott of course a pleasure and we'll catch you next time adios adios